Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories, all before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 39 of the Tomato Timer, and we have come back from a bit of a hiatus, winter break, um, Tier 4, Lockdown 2.0 has all kind of like jiggled us a bit around. And now we're back with an amazing guest, someone I've heard speak um, recently at, a, at an Accelerator event. And it's Professor Christian Bosch. And Christian is uh, the director of the Global Economy Program at the New York University, as well as teaching at London School of Economics. He is the found, he co-directed the LSE's Innovation Lab. He co-founded the Sandbox Network and an amazing Part of his research has been uh, a book which which is which is becoming uh, a new york bestseller uh, the serendipity mindset and hopefully uh christian can share a little bit of thoughts about that um thank you so much for joining us early in the morning for you thank you so much for having me it's great to see you so christian i want to get right into it um when i first heard you speak i'd never connected this this word serendipity, which is a really beautiful word, which I've heard and seen in like kind of very artistic forms, but ever applied in a in a life context. So maybe just to get us started, what does it mean in in this in the in the definition that you've used it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's definitely my favorite word, and it's 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 related to this. When we think about luck, we always think about blind luck, right? We think about this kind of luck we can't influence, like. Mm. You know, being born into a loving family or something, but serendipity is about smart luck. It's about this luck that's all about our own actions, how we react to the unexpected. So, you know, take this situation, let's say you're in a coffee shop, you order a coffee, and if you have erratic hand movements like I do, you spill that coffee over the person next to you, and you sense that there might be some kind of connection with them. You sense there might be something. You don't know what it is, but you sense there might be something. Mm -hmm. Now you have two options, right? Option number one is you just say, I'm so sorry, here's a napkin. You walk outside and you think, ah, I should have talked with that person. And option two is, of course, you say, I'm so sorry. I, I was thinking about X, Y, Z. You start a conversation and maybe that's the person you fall in love with or that's the person you start yeah. something with or, or something like this. So serendipity really is about acting on the unexpected and then mm -hmm. connecting the dots and doing something with it. And so we see in our work that there's a lot of people who would consider themselves to be really lucky. And, you know, people always ask them, what is it about? What is it about? And so a lot of times it is about our reaction to how we see something in uncertainty or the unexpected. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, as you've said, I, I've, I've, I've often, when I've presented myself or when I've been talking about different things, I've always mentioned, used the word luck instead of, instead of serendipity. And which I've actually, every time now I'm speaking, I, I use the other word now. Um, and it's, it's, it's so commonly used, right? We talk about um, the kind of, incredible startups going from like tiny little things in a garage to to unicorns we say it's lucky we talk about falling in love and we talk we say it's lucky you know we talk about all these kind of concepts and we like to um put it to an almost like a, a mythical uh creature or being or something that's above the layer and i think that's what's really cool now i want to um you you're very like a uh, an economist so you're, you come from a very scientific perspective how how did you start to notice it and then how did you how are you able to kind of almost like categorize this as as an as a phenomena that occurs uh, with people? Yeah, I mean the journey started very early on in life. I mean I used to be 
that kind of kid who I was expelled from high school. I had to repeat yeah. here. Like I, I had a very kind of, you know, um, challenging, challenging teenagerhood. And I still have a lot of respect for my parents that kind of, uh, you know, pulled through with me and, and did that. And uh, I transferred this into my driving style. So I kind of probably helped the unofficial world record of how many dustbins you can knock off on your way to school when you're driving. <laughs> and, then, and then one day I, I wasn't that lucky anymore. I, I smashed into four parked cars and, and all cars completely um, smashed, including including my own. And, and um, I, I will not forget the policeman who came to the scene and he was like, oh my God, he's still alive. So, so the, the idea that I was supposed to be dead and, and that stuck with me for quite some time. And mm. um, I, I started reading this book, um, which I highly recommend, Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, which is all about essentially how do we find meaning in crisis? How do we find meaning in the toughest of circumstances? Mm -hmm. and so at that point in my life, you know, I asked myself all these weird questions like, uh, if, if I would have died, who would have come to my funeral? Was it all worth it? Did I do anything meaningful? And it was depressing to, to look at that I hadn't done anything and, 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 and there wasn't that much meaning there. And so that book helped me a lot to kind of make sense out of things and, and see, oh, wow, there's meaning in every situation. And you can, you can make your own meaning in, in every situation and, and turn crisis into something. And so... Um, wow. Yeah, Zubar, are you still here? Somehow, the, yeah, oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Somehow it briefly broke the line, I don't know, but um, yeah, I hope it's it. Well, and that's, that set me on, perfect. And that set me on this intense search for meaning, you know, trying to figure out what is life all about. And, and what I realized is, you know, in my work as community builder, entrepreneur and researcher, that the most inspiring people around me, they seem to have something in common, which is that they cultivate serendipity. They, mm. they see something in the unexpected, turn into positive outcomes. And so a lot of my work now has been around, how do you build a science-based framework around this that sees mm. serendipity, not only as this event that just happens to us, right? Oh my God, X, Y, Z coincidence, but actually a process of seeing and connecting dots where like in the coffee shop example, you you see something in the moment and then you do something with it and and and, and go it and you know that's that's with all these kind of throughout history right everything from Viagra to um, post-it notes like that's all serendipity in action once yeah. you construct it. Yeah, um, I I, I want to keep going with this kind of concept a bit further, but before that, because you've um, we shared a little bit about your life journey, I wanna I wanna learn more because I think this would I obviously this is the first time I'm hearing it and it, it's. It sounds fascinating, obviously very challenging, but also inspiring in the sense that such a like a from a start from starting somewhere there. How did you end up, you know, doing what you did in your undergraduate, graduate, then becoming a professor, a speaker, and doing a lot of entrepreneurial activities? Like I know it's it's a it's much, it's going to be a long uh, podcast if we went through all the events, but give us like a whistle stop tour through kind of the main events which guided you and brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in high school, I used to be that kid that I wanted to experiment with everything. I wanted to, mm -hmm. to you know, I remember I was everything from, you know, the groupie of the punk rock band to trying to trade on the stock market early to then kind of missing school because of a lot of different things, you know, getting ourselves into trouble. And so mm -hmm. it was this kind of idea that I, I didn't feel that high school kind of gave me what I what I needed in terms of like my my creative outlet or my kind of 
different different themes that I wanted to explore. And, and that's actually something in my work nowadays, which is also a big question, right? How do we redesign the education system in a way that actually allows people who, who want to push boundaries, who want yeah. to be creative, to have a channel for this? And so I think in high school, I didn't feel I had that. And so I, I searched mostly outside of high school and and tried a lot of different things. And I remember, for example, um, so I used in a coffee shop, I used to work in a coffee shop in, in Heidelberg um, and uh, my boss there, he was this amazing entrepreneur who we would then kind of import t-shirts and like go literally knock on door to door and like sell those t-shirts to people. And like, we would just kind of like experiment with all different things we could do just to see like what could work and what's yeah. fun. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that kind of car accident, the, the reason I mentioned it was because to me that was in a way this kind of wake up moment where I was like, wow, like life can be over every moment. Like we always think life is so long, right? And like we yeah. have so much life to live and then, yeah, let's first have a career in something. And then like later on we can do what we're really excited about. Yeah. No, like life can, you know, like life can be over quickly. And so it's really kind of, it, it, it drove me into that direction of, wow, focus on what you feel is most meaningful. And at that point I had no idea what that could be. So what I did was I applied to, every university I could think of. And I had such a bad high school certificate that like, you know, most said no. I, it was still that time where you had to kind of, you know, actually put it into the mail, yeah. <laughs> every kind of application. And so like, I put like over 40 applications into the mail to like everything that would sound like a university that I could be uh, somehow fitting. And so I, I went to this kind of small, cute university in, in, in Germany that, that somehow for some reason, I still don't understand, accepted me. And then, um, you know, I, I think there, what I found fascinating is really kind of how to leverage like student communities because, you know, yeah. I, I kind of started getting engaged in a lot of different groups and then that allowed me to figure out, oh, I seem to be more excited about like corporate responsibility or I seem to be more excited about X, Y, Z. And so I think the, the undergrad was a nice experimentation ground for me to really figure out what is something that feels purposeful and feels meaningful yeah. and then kind of um, the, the, the master as well. And I think at that time then, you know, coincidentally, I ran into my then co-founder at, at Sandbox, um, where, you know, essentially it, it kind of um, opened up a whole new dimension of, oh, wow, we can build something here that, that caters to our passions of bringing people together. Yeah. Um, and so long story short, I think all these things that happened afterwards, like they usually happen serendipitously, but there was this kind of this, this core theme or this core passion of saying, okay, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I enjoy doing the most, which is connecting people, connecting dots, and then trying to find the outlet for this and, and, and pushing for this, but also, yeah, focusing on, on, on what could be the most interesting way to do that. And um, in, in my sense, I, you know, I realized that um, for me, a lot of this was in academia because, you know, we would build these companies and communities and then, you know, the inner imposter would always come up and say, hey, 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 do we actually know what we're actually doing here? We're, yeah. we're pretending we have everything figured out, but actually we know nothing. And so it's kind of, you know, and I think that's the theme general in life that people always pretend they know everything, but in the end, like nobody knows that much. Yeah. So it's really kind of academia I, I enjoy because you can try to understand the patterns behind something and then really kind of, that's that's how we started building that kind of um, science-based foundation for things. Amazing. So that was that was where the rigor needed to come in to make sure that, you know, what we're talking about actually does the causal linkages and all that. Um, Incredible. So I feel like there's that intrinsic drive that you had about connecting people, at, you know, at the heart of everything and all of your activities, whether it was, you know, uh, experimenting at undergrad all the way to now being a professor and, and teaching this concept and speaking about it and writing books about it. It's almost as though it, it might have got more packaged and better refined and more academically accepted. Um, but it's always been almost the same thing that you've been kind of 
pushing and refining and developing. So it's it's a it's an incredible journey to hear it described in such a way. I want to bring us back to this concept though, um, because your book talks a lot about the serendipity mindset, which is something we must, uh, entrepreneurs, people who want to, you know, go through these kind of changes and, and level up almost in a, in a gamified way. Adopting this mindset can really help you very, very, very much. So maybe you can describe a little bit about what that mindset is and, and how it maybe an experience which you've, you've noticed because of adopting this approach. Yeah, absolutely. And and to your point earlier also, I feel it, this is such an important theme you know, in terms of that. I've, I've seen that with a lot of my friends as well, that, you know, um, when we look at our CVs, like it seems very dispersed, right? Like yeah. from community building to building companies to like being in research. But to your point, there's, there's often like this kind of red thread that's all about, oh, yeah. it was always about connecting dots or something. And I feel like that is in our lives a lot of times, right? That, that there might mm. be very different outlets for our things, but actually it's yeah. Similar theme or passion that, that that is behind it, and to your point, I think I mean a serendipity mindset really is about saying it, it's both a philosophy of life. So this idea that you know what we want to try to have a kind of sense of direction, or we want to have a, a certain idea of interest or something, but then also we have this 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 kind of philosophy of life that you know life is not perfect, and um, mm -hmm. will there will always be unexpected events and that is not a threat that can be our ally, that can be something that is on our side. And so it's really like the serendipity mindset is a philosophy of life that really says, look, we can cultivate serendipity. We can we can do something with the unexpected in a positive way, but also a daily practice. It's really the daily practice of saying, how do I put myself into a state of mind that allows me to consistently have positive coincidences? And so to give you an example of how to do that, I mean, it's, it's really about two things, right? One is um, creating more meaningful accidents so having more potential uh, dots that could be connected. And then the other thing is um, um, making accidents more meaningful. So essentially um, seeing crisis as opportunity. And I'll give you an example of both maybe to, to drive it home. Yeah. The, the, the kind of creating more meaningful accidents is really about something like casting hooks, right? So there's this amazing entrepreneur in London, Oli Barrett. If you would ask him, what do you do, right? This dreaded question. And then you would say, oh, I'm I'm a student at XYZ like high school or I'm at XYZ. Like it puts you into a box, right? And then it's very hard to get out of that box. But he would be something like, yeah, you know, I'm a entrepreneur, but recently started reading into the philosophy of science. What, what I'm really excited about is playing the piano. And so what he's doing here is he's giving you three potential books, three potential things we could be like, oh my God, such a coincidence. My mom is hosting piano matinees. I should introduce you to it. Or, yeah. oh my God, such a coincidence. My dad is teaching the philosophy of science. You should drop by at some point. The point here is that by building in different types of themes or interests into conversations that, that we want to put out there, we allow others to connect the dots for us. And by this, we can, we can essentially kind of seed these serendipity triggers. Yeah. And not that, the, the amazing thing that happens then is that every conversation, every interaction becomes an opportunity for serendipity, even with the people we know already, because mm -hmm. usually we talk with them about the same stuff all the time, right? But once we start yeah. like seeding a couple of new things, that's where serendipity um, starts to happen. And then about this kind of like making accidents more meaningful, um, let me let me give you the example of Viagra to 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 drive it home. Where you know when when you had um, a couple of decades ago, you know had a couple of researchers and um, they wanted to give people test medication with people against angina, the disease, and they realized that there was some kind of movement happening in the in male participants' trousers, and you know that was unexpected, right? And usually we would probably say, oh my god, that is embarrassing. 
um, that, that like, let's just ignore it or mm. let's find a quote unquote better way to cure angina where like there's no like movement in male participants' trousers. They did the opposite. They said, you know what, that's unexpected, but a lot of men in the world might have a problem in that department. So why don't we try to develop a medication that actually mm. helps us to have that? And so that's how Viagra evolved. <laughs> Accident, yeah. but someone put meaning into the accident, yeah. and something happened, and that's how mostly serendipity uh, evolves. That you see something in the situation that others don't. Mm -hmm. I, I, as you described it, I just I could not help but anal the analogy that came to me was Brownian motion um, mm -hmm. when you talked about collisions and and meaningful collisions, especially and. Um, just like to build on that analogy is like, you know, how do you increase um, chemical reactions? You know, there, there are ways to increase the rate of reaction and you do things like increasing the temperature. So there's more collisions happening, adding a catalyst so that the reactions actually connect. So something like the, the, the idea of saying three things at once rather than one thing describing yourself is almost like a catalyst because now you're, you're increasing the surface area of where you can connect and uh, I can keep going down this um, <laughs> metaphor, but uh, but it, it sounds incredible and it seems so simple. Uh, and one thing that has continuously been been kind of mentioned or, uh, in these episodes with some incredible entrepreneurs as well, is that they talk about putting yourself out there. Um, and I feel like this, this, this is also part of what your message is as well. It's about, making yourself open to connection, making yourself available to ideas, reciprocate those ideas. And, but, but it's, it's a tough, it's tough though, right? Like to put, to make yourself open, to make yourself vulnerable is not easy. Uh, we tend to be kind of, kind of secure in our kind of little bubble um, and saying something which may lead to, you know, an incredible uh, serendipitous outcome could also just be an embarrassing situation. So how, how and I'm I'm really like thinking back to a 16 year old or 17 year old Zubair who wasn't really uh, willing to put himself out there. Where where do we, where do we do that? How do we how do we go to that position? Yeah, it's a great question because I mean I I remember you know in, in that age 16 17 I mean yeah. I I think it's especially I mean I can only imagine in the kind of COVID 19 world how, yeah. how um you know that, that that's that there's an additional limit and I think one thing that I've always found very useful especially during that time now that I kind of retroactively try to make sense out of it yeah but also in general like it's really that idea of finding finding your tribe like finding the people who who can help stimulate ideas and things. And so, for example, I never found that in high school. Like I didn't, in my in high school, I didn't find my tribe. Like I, I had friends, like I had a couple of people I got along really well, but my real tribe I found in the coffee shop with students who were working in the coffee shop. And then they brought me the simulation because they were all like 10 years older and they had a lot of life experience. And and I, I was literally clinging on them and I was like, oh my God, tell me everything. Like I want to learn about the world. I want to mm. know everything because they seem to know more than my teachers actually. And and so it's, it's I, I think in that respect, I, I'm a big fan of, putting ourselves into situations where we can try to figure out where is our tribe, who are the kind of people who can inspire us. And so if that means that we work in a coffee shop one hour per week uh, or a couple of hours per week, it's to me, it was never really about the coffee and the selling, like the coffee, it was, it was great to then fund my nightlife, but it wasn't yeah. really that. It was really about plugging into another community that I would usually not have access to. Like I wouldn't, these students would not have talked, like they, they probably wouldn't have had an, 
uh, yeah. situation to talk with me, but by plugging into that coffee shop, like it, it became natural to to be and become friends with them, even though I was much younger than them. And and so I'm a big fan of trying to figure out what are the potential communities. Is it dance clubs somewhere? Is it um, is it coffee shops? Is it other things where we can just kind of you know meet other people, but in a very relaxed, informal environment. Um, but also, is there things such as events? If we if we're interested in like to your point, right? I think there's so many exciting things around like chemistry and like you know molecular chemistry, like how do you ex like accelerate molecules to have have um, those unexpected reactions, right? Which is fascinating. Um, and so, really going to universities who have open events around these like questions, whatever we're interested in. And so, um, mm -hmm. I would really kind of just map out a little bit like what are our key interest areas. Like, I'm a big fan of doing a serendipity journal, so to write down. You know what I'm. What is my core interest? What is what is the themes that are interesting to me? And who are the kind of people who could be that? And and if they're not in high school, are they maybe? You know, can I find them in public events? Can I find them yeah. in jobs wherever that is? Yeah, I, I think that's an incredible piece of advice because, um, and again, retroactively thinking back, it feels like I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd um, engaged in other, whether it was within the school ecosystem of extracurricular activities, but also around me, you know, whether it was just going to another, trying to get an internship or trying to join another community. I know, uh, I'm sure that it's 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 a tricky time at where you're trying to teach as well, but, you know, people all over the world are, are finding it really difficult to meet other people. And it's almost like, it's 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 the it's the worst possible position to to be in, uh, in terms of the kind of the, the serendipity mindset. Because you're not getting to run into people. You can't go to a coffee shop anymore. Well, at least not in, in the UK. Um, but it's what, what about what? So I'm I'm just trying to sorry. I'm thinking about what I would do, would try to do right now. And it it's it seems like it's it's a similar thing, although it's it sounds it's my mind be even harder. But virtual communities exist finding our tribes, finding our interest areas. And it doesn't necessarily have to be drilled to academia. I think we we often try to like just, um, especially when we're thinking about like an applying to higher education, we're always thinking about like, how do we make that related to our, potentially our personal statement? How do we do that so that it, it makes our, our application stronger? Um, keeping ourselves open to things which interest us almost like without uh, any other sense of motivation uh is is gonna lead to so much more meaningful conversation you know you will you will know a little bit of fact that you would not have known because you were interested and you spent hours on wikipedia trying to work it out so um i am i am rambling a little bit but it, it makes a lot of sense and i think we although we it's a it's a tough time we can still leverage virtual especially semi-formal or informal spaces to get to engage with each other um and talk about things academic but also non-academic to kind of keep ourselves open to meaningful collisions right absolutely and, and that's that's completely true and i think especially to your point during COVID times um that kind of question how to safely engage with people of course i guess you know in that age 14 to 16 or so like you know it, it's always a question which communities are are safe to engage in um, but i think one thing that i've you know, found super useful across different age groups is to, to think about what is a theme or interest that that could be built on and then starting to share about it and, and really kind of starting to share about it wherever you are, if you're mm -hmm. on Facebook or TikTok or wherever you are, like, like really kind of, I think a lot of people use platforms like TikTok or so 
um, in a kind of quite simple way that doesn't like it, it might help them build a kind of personal brand, but it, yeah. it, it might be in a way that in five years they will be like, ah, not so excited about it anymore. Versus, I think, if there's like key themes that are really interesting um, that you can build on where you feel, oh wow, like I can, I can do short clips about this and then I can build on this and, and, and really do something with it. I think there's a lot of potential to then yeah. not only have to go to people, but actually to pull people to you. And I think that's yeah. where where the push becomes the pull, right? And I think that's where it gets really interesting to really think about how can we use these kind of new types of media um, to, to build our own kind of, um, I think brand is, is the absolutely wrong word, like our own kind of interests, like anchors that then people feel drawn to because they're like, oh my God, this person is similarly passionate about who, who what we're passionate about. Let's, let's, let's kind of like um, build a community around them. Yeah, I have, um, we're getting closer to the end of our podcast, but I have one question which I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts about because you mentioned a little bit, you talked about what you see is kind of missing in the education system. And I think there's a whole bunch of things that's missing, but I, I want to like take your, your all your research and thinking about uh, spontaneity, uh, engagement, interactions, and how one can see this in the educational world. Um, how can we, you know, a lot of my most, uh, most of my work and studying and, and intense kind of mental breakthroughs have happened not in a classroom. Um, what do you see the educational system creating, leveraging to make the spontaneous uh, interactions happen and lead to kind of, you know, positive educational outcomes? Yeah, that's a fantastic question because that's exactly, I mean, it's it's one of my core passions and one of the themes and one of the reasons actually for for writing that book was literally to say how do we bring the life skill of cultivating serendipity into schools into universities and and really kind of make that a way of life mm -hmm. and you know that includes kind of like instead of just teaching content right like literally kind of thinking about how to exercise the serendipity muscle so you know kind of um literally having a class that could be around rhetorics mm -hmm. and things such as like setting hooks and other things where you literally like train yourself to how to engage with people mm -hmm. to create um, serendipity, right? So that's the mindful piece that we can focus on. Then there's of course the kind of ritual piece and like the question of, you know, how do you essentially get uh, get people into a rhythm that feels natural, that's um, mm -hmm. similar to how you would do it in a company, right? You could set up everything from um, project funerals, right? Where um, students essentially talk about, oh, like experts that didn't work out in my life and this is what I learned from it. And really kind of focusing on this idea of, letting go of perfection, letting go of the idea that everyone always has to pretend that they know everything, which school is mm -hmm. about, right? I mean, yeah. like I've always tried to kind of, you know, wiggle my way through, but then the exam comes up and you're like, damn it, like you can't, you can't kind of like, you know, talk your way through the exam. And so, <laughs> it, um, but, but, you know, I feel like there's a lot around where we can learn from, from organizational practices, such as uh, project funerals, where when things don't work out, we talk about why and, and what we can learn from it. And I think, that kind of approach to getting students into this idea of, oh, wow, I don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everyone's trying to figure it out. But hey, here are a couple of ways that can help me to consistently learn from what doesn't work and to consistently move on from, from that. I think we can build that into literally every session because that is just about the way we ask questions in the classroom. That's about the way we use things like the Socratic method more, right? Which is more about questioning rather than just pushing solutions on people and so on. So I think there's a lot we can do um, in, in, in that regard. And, um, you know, if you have any themes, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of yours and, and your mind and your thinking. And so 
um, delighted to also continue that conversation. Um, and kudos, by the way, for, for asking those, those wonderful questions. I think that's much needed. Thank you so much. It's been an incredible uh, conversation. I think it's a, it's been a, it's, it's, I, I'm really glad again, uh, I'm practicing serendipity by, by relaunching the podcast because I'm getting to meet some incredible people having some incredible conversation and maybe that'll lead to something else. So thank you so much. Have a great, lovely day. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye okay. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.